0: Welcome to StrikeDeck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by StrikeDeck, a Medallia company, and the Success League. StrikeDeck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The StrikeDeck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for their organization. We also offer a certification program for CSMs, and coaching for customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hare, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of The Success League. Today's show features Jennifer Griffin, the Vice President of Customer Success for Trust Radius. Like many of you, she is going through the process of transforming a largely reactive customer-facing team into a truly proactive customer success program. And she'll be the first to admit this is a journey, and she's still working through this process with her team. But that said, she's agreed to share her approach along with what has worked with her so far. So Jennifer, thanks for being part of the show today.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm definitely excited to talk about where we are on this journey uh, as we go. Cool.
0: Well, I'm always curious about how our guests landed in customer success. So what was your path into our field?
1: Well, it was a bit of a long and twisty road. I actually, <laughs> yeah, I actually earned my master's degree in healthcare administration and okay. worked in the field of hospital administration for a bit. Um, I left there and went to own my own business in the meal prep space. So a complete oh complete change of pace. And one day cool. I can tell you that story over a bottle of wine. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I th- love that. <laughs> <laughs> and so once I figured out that owning my own business wasn't as glamorous as I'd hoped, I needed to transition into something else. Um, so I was actually introduced to a small startup tech company that my husband knew um, and landed my first job in the world of, of SaaS. Um, I initially came in as a CSM, um, but the role was brand new to the industry. The title was actually community manager. um, And then we saw that title change as the customer success field um, started to flourish. Um, So I was in that role for about a year and then transitioned within the same company into more of what you'd probably call a CS ops role and spent the next uh, nine years managing different teams within the CS ops side of the house. Um, I've also run support teams. So I've touched just about every organization that falls under the CS umbrella. And then I joined Trust Radius last July um, to lead their uh, customer success team. And so far it's it's been a blast. That's exciting. I am gonna just just briefly,
0: I know we'll talk about it more over that bottle of wine, but <laughs> I wanna go back to your meal prep thing. Yeah. Um, Cause one of the things I've noticed from having my own company is that you learn a lot about customer success from owning a company what would you say is your biggest takeaway from owning your own company around the customer success area
1: so i think the biggest thing was kind of tapping into what does a customer need right and kind of Speaking to them on more of that individual basis. Um, So, we actually ran a number of programs where we would try to get repeat buyers. We would have, you know, we would call it our supper club and we would get repeat folks in. um, And it allowed us to, for one, it, you know, improved our revenue flow, but it also meant we were getting these folks in the door every single month, um, developing those relationships, right? You would start knowing their kids and what they liked. And so, just developing that, we had a much more loyal base because of that, because we could actually connect with them versus someone who comes in one time and you never see them again. So we were kind of constantly looking for what are those ways that we can kind of tie in and make it where we're not just a, a one-off, but we're kind of part of, you know, that family's life and their kind of meal prepping and cooking and getting dinner on the table every day.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I I love exploring how some of these um, entrepreneurship opportunities sort of tie into customer success because I think people who sort of take a ownership stance toward customer success tend to be really good at it. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Uh, The Trust Radius solution is really customer focused. So tell us what the customer does and how is your CS team structured to serve your own customers there?
1: Sure. So TrustRadius is a customer voice and insights platform. The idea is to help tech buyers make good decisions and help technology vendors acquire and retain customers. So in, in plain speak, our paying customers today are our software vendors. These vendors are looking for ways to stand apart from the competitors. And Trust Radius helps them to do this by collecting and displaying in-depth reviews that tell their unique narrative um on the flip side our tech buyers get to utilize all this information at no cost to help make a smarter purchasing decision um, and in addition to reviews we also collect uh, behavioral buyer intent data so we oh, okay. know, cool. yeah so we actually know how buyers are evaluating which products they're comparing and why, where they are in that buying process. Um, and so vendors can then use that data to fuel their AVM programs, enable their sales team, understand their funnel and prevent churn. So that's in a nutshell, what uh, Trust Radius does. And then currently our CS team is structured where every customer who has paid for our full platform is assigned a CSM. Um, with that, we have a handful of legacy customers who bought pieces of the program so those aren't full platform, and those are all handled by our account management team. And we, have, we kind of split these two teams out so that the CSM team is responsible for being a true strategic partner to our vendors, help them adopt and implement our program, whereas our account management team, they are really responsible for that renewals and upsells um, piece of the, of the puzzle. Okay, cool. Cool. So I mentioned before
0: that we're going to talk about your journey toward becoming a proactive customer success team. But before we get into all of the details on that, um, tell me why you think it's so critical for a customer success team to be proactive.
1: Sure. So to do that, I think it's important to step back and think about why the customer model was created, the customer success model was created in the first place. So years ago, there were support teams to handle the tactical one-off issues, and there was onboarding teams to help get customers live, but there wasn't really a role designed to kind of solely ensure that customers were successful with the product. So the result was a lot of companies would watch as the customers they worked so hard to obtain would walk out the door. Um, So with that, the solution was fairly simple um, and one that's been adopted by lots of companies, and that's the creation of a customer success team. Um, where you know for them, the goal of any customer success team should be to ensure that their customer base is seeing great value with the products and the services they purchase. Um, and to do this, your CSMs really need to be that proactive partner, right? Working hand in hand with that customer base. Um, the, the issue with this is while all of this sounds good on paper, what you tend to see is that even with a dedicated team, they still focus on what's in their inbox for the day. Um, So a key client has a tech issue that eats up their day or an account you were sure would renew, just gave notice, and now you're scrambling to put together a save plan. So day by day, you find your day is filled with putting out fires and just reacting to what is coming in, and that they have very little time to think strategically and proactively work on driving those initiatives with the customer base. So really, you know, a reactive CSM is one that just responds to a customer when they have a question or only pulls together interesting insight right before a big quarterly review. They check the box day in, day out, and just do what's needed to get through the day. Um, in contrast, a proactive CSM is one that is working on that customer behalf, even when they haven't asked for anything. They right. They learn about a new feature or a service offering that would be perfect for their customer. Um, they're busy engaging them to make sure they're one of the first ones to adopt, right? Or mm-hmm. they're keeping up with news and industry trends that impact their customer base and send them thought leadership pieces that are relevant, right? So these types of things is what really makes uh, a CSM more proactive. Um, in addition to that, they're also always looking at the health of their portfolio, right? Um, is there a customer that's really engaged, but they... Just never show up for a call in a reactive mode. A CSM might just think, "Well, that's okay. I just I'll reschedule and hope they get back on the line next time." Uh, but in a proactive mode, a CSM would really realize something's going on. Right? This this account that used to be engaged is now no longer picking up the phone. What am I going to go and do? How am I going to change? What am I going to do? Am I going to change my messaging? Am I going to flag it, et cetera? Um, mm-hmm. And so, if you look at proactive versus reactive, in that reactive mode you're always playing catch-up. You're only responding to issues when they've blown up instead of nipping it early on. Um, In the CS world, we all live and die by renewals, right? Yes. Unfortunately, right, that's that's the cross we bear. But if you're reactive, you're in a mode where you're waiting for the client to tell you they're not gonna renew, and then you do everything you can to convince them to change their mind. Um, And this is a huge uphill battle. Uh, and normally the solutions you put out at that point are too little, too late. Right. Whereas in proactive mode, the CSM is predicting what issues you might have. They're trying to stay out in front of them um, and preventing these big fires from blowing up. Um, and in addition, being proactive also has the advantage that this is the mode of operation that normally is so appreciated by that end client. They love seeing their CSM being proactive. It makes them feel more like, an actual partner um, and not just a vendor.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so I want to start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your team when you first started with them. What was the role like at that point and what did the team focus on?
1: Sure, so I would describe the team when I first joined on as a group that were floating in a boat that was slowly sinking and all the CSMs were doing their best to bail water out or plug (laughs) the holes, right? Yeah, Uh, They were all busy. Like they were busy, busy, busy trying to do all the things for all the clients, Uh, but they were just drowning. Um, And because of this, they were just in a mode where all they dealt with were the fires in their inbox. Um, So those customers that were the loudest would get the attention Um, and the quiet customers would tend to be ignored. Um, So, and then when I began, in addition to the, Typical CSM duties. They were also responsible for onboarding new customers and getting them through that implementation process. Um, but because this was just one of many tasks, and there was no focus on driving those implementation down, we were we were seeing that the average time to implement a customer was over 200 days, um, which was. terrible experience, right? It wasn't a great experience for them. And we lost a ton of momentum during this process, right? It just became such a process um, that we lost a lot of that positive momentum with our customer base. Um, And then if we look at kind of where their focus was, when I first came in, the importance of delivering a quarterly business review was our big emphasis, right? The goal was to deliver these to customers every quarter, but it was a Pretty new responsibility for the team um, and they were primarily just trying to get the first one out the door get one or two to each client and you know check a box um, mm-hmm. and one of the main goals here was to get that economic buyer who we don't meet with a ton um, to engage and update them on the program and so we had a templatized deck the csm would fill it out they would rinse and repeat with each deck would look the same from one client to the next um and it, you know they checked a box which was great uh but it was very little value to our actual customer right which was a pretty big miss on our part this was a rare chance for us to get to engage with someone higher in the organization and we weren't being proactive enough to say what am i hoping to gain from this meeting or how can i drive some change right we were just saying i went through my 22 slides and i'm done yeah um, and then the last thing I'll, I'll uh, mention that's notable is that the team wasn't very proactive at all when it came to renewal. So those account they were renewing this quarter got a lot of attention paid to them, but it meant yeah. that we were relying on those last minute heroics. And then we <laughs> weren't even thinking about next quarter or the quarter after, right? And so we're in this kind of negative uh, loop. Yeah. Yeah. How did you approach shifting the
0: customer journey to be more proactive? So. When you come in as a new leader, I think you have to kind of sort of have that plan of attack. Um, So what was your plan of
1: attack? So when I first got in, one of the first things I did was formalize out our CS Ops team role. Um, Mm -hmm. So when I got here, we had a few members on the team that were in an operational supporting role. But they they didn't really view themselves as a team they were functioning more as individuals kind of doing specific tasks so we pulled them together into kind of one cohesive team um, and created a new role that sits within that team that specializes in just onboarding um, And in our csms today they're involved in that onboarding process from the beginning but we now have this onboarding specialist that helps drive all the tactical pieces. And more importantly, her bonus metrics are all centered around driving the completion of the onboarding within that 90 days. Um, and this was huge, right? If you make it someone's focus and that is her sole focus. Um, we, we saw what we would expect, which is an, an immediate decrease in our onboarding time since we've focused on this. Um, and then additionally with our customer feedback, they all love it, right? People are like, this was great. Onboarding was so easy, uh, which is perfect. And then it was also appreciated by the CSM team because now it meant, A, we freed up some of their time. um, And B, it meant that now our customers were starting to see them truly as a strategic partner, not... Oh, i'm working with this person who all they do is help me set up you know the technical uh the technical pieces of uh of our onboarding process um so it was a big win-win for us to reduce our implementation time while also freeing up our csms to focus on what they should do best which is providing that strategic guidance um, in addition we also invested in some reporting software for our reporting specialists to utilize Um, And this person is currently working on building out our templates that, again, the team can kind of quickly use to pull the numbers they need. Um, Our CSMs are bogged down and pulling manual numbers and pivot tables and they live half their life in Excel. Um, So we're trying to take that off their plate um, to, again, free them up to start doing more of that proactive um, work as well. And then we are also in the middle of implementing uh, a new CS software that works with Salesforce uh, as a tool to help us kind of automate some workflows, as well as calculate what are our health risks across our customer base, um, with the intention of, since the CSM has a huge portfolio to go and look at, the intent is to find a way to help them focus in on the accounts that are yellow or red, help them stay on top of that, instead of trying to to treat every client the exact same way. Um, and then I would also mention another kind of easy win for us was starting to drink our own champagne, which we like to say instead of eating our own dog food. Um, <laughs> we've, we've been, uh, we have been collecting reviews on our own site, um, just like we do for our customers, but we were actually in a lot of ways, a bad customer because we as a company weren't using the feedback we were getting. Oh. Um, And we were doing very little to encourage our users to write more reviews for us. Um, We've now kind of instituted a formal process so that we can solicit those uh, reviews and get that feedback in a more um, uh, automated way. And then now we're pushing that over onto our product team to help develop our future roadmaps. We're getting our sales and marketing team to use it to help close deals. Um, So we're finally truly kind of using our own uh, uh, processes there too, which was just a nice, easy win there. Um, And then one other thing I'll mention is, you know, one of the uh, simple things we did was kind of implement a formal triage process. Um, So currently, accounts today are manually flagged as needing to be triaged by the individual CSM. And as we get more um, sophisticated with our health scoring, we'll start having some of these accounts being automatically kind of tagged for triage. Um, Right. But the idea, though, is we want to have a way to identify which clients really need our help. Um, and then we actually meet every single Monday morning and we review all of our accounts and triage with the goal of what are we doing this week to help advance, you know, the health of this client. Um, and, if we get to a point where the csm and i have said oh my goodness we think we've done everything that we can for this we move it into an escalated triage where we start pulling in the ceo we start pulling in the account managers um, and start escalating beyond just our org to see if there's something else that we can do to help get a a customer unstuck or back onto a healthy track Um, and we started this process around mid-november we've had 37 accounts flagged 10 of those have gone through the, the triage process um eight of them We consider very successful, and they're moved out of triage. Two didn't renew, Um, so we consider that an unsuccessful exit. But it is doesn't. It's a good sign that we can actually start kind of working these in a uh, systematic manner. Um, And the nice part about having this is that it ensures that an account just doesn't go stale on us, right? In the past, an account would disengage and would go dark and would stay dark until it was like right at renewal. Um, So this way it is, there's no surprises. And that's my big goal is I don't want to be surprised an account doesn't renew, right? We're all going to lose accounts, but we want it to be a no surprise um, kind of loss. Right. Um, And then we have also, I touched on a little bit, our templated kind of uh, uh, reviews that we do with our customers uh, on that quarterly basis. We have made a number of changes to it. um, And I'm working on shifting it away from being more templated, right? One of the biggest Um, Issues is our data is hard to kind of pull into it. So we're kind of working through that process to eventually get us to where we can have some contractors who can do a lot of that data pulling for us to then free up the time for a CSM to think through, this is it, this is my chance to go and talk to our economic buyer. What is it I wanna share? If I wanna dump all the template slides, go for it, right? Like we shouldn't be held to these templates. Um, And then once we have our health reporting completed and rolled out, it's going to show the CSM where should you be focusing on, right? Like where's the red spot? That's what you should be focusing on in your business review and then kind of go from there. So it give them a little bit more guidance instead of just complete the same deck over and over for every single client. Yeah, Jennifer, this is a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> so, just to just to ask because I know I'm thinking it and I'm assuming probably a lot of people in the audience are thinking it right now how long did it take you to kind of work your way through that list of stuff that you did
1: so I've been here since July 1 um okay. so it was yeah so it's a lot of you know the first few months it's always sitting on meetings and calls and figure out like get, get the lay of the land um okay. and start kind of figuring out like yep how do we start peeling the onion back and and tackling some of these things.
0: Cool. You accomplished a lot of stuff in a really short period of time, relatively short period of time, I think.
1: Yes. You know, some days it feels short and some days it feels long. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) So obviously
0: the biggest shift would have to have been with the people on your team. How did you tackle change management with the group?
1: So in this front, I was really fortunate um, because the team was not happy with the status quo, right? When I got here, no one said we love everything the way we're doing it. Um, They all felt like they were constantly working harder and not smarter. Um, And then I made sure to kind of uh, intentionally incorporate them into this change management process. Um, So we have at the end of every quarter, we come together, we brainstorm what things we want to focus on for improving for the next quarter, and then we divide out those tasks. Um, So it could be someone takes on the task of updating a deck, or someone works to develop a best practices playbook, but everyone has quarterly goals to help drive improvements across the team. Um, And I've always felt that if you have your team help define the goals, then they'll be more bought into actually making them happen.
0: Absolutely. That is totally true. Everybody who's listening, Listen to that point. That's an important point, I think, in this whole thing. Um, If you're a leader, you have to have your team bought into the goals they're getting. It can't just feel like it's coming down from on high and they have no input into those goals. Um, The people on the front lines on your team have some of the best insight into what's actually going to change things
1: for your customers. And so that involvement
0: is so critical.
1: Yep. And they actually get jazzed, right? If you're bringing them in and they're part of it, they're like, yes, let's go make a change instead of management set in a room one day and (laughs) now they've changed our entire process.
0: Yeah. Well, and also if you're, if you're somebody who's listening to this podcast and you're not a leader and you're a frontline CSM and you don't have any goals, it's okay to set your own goals too, because you need to have something that you're working toward. And so if you don't have somebody who's giving you goals, give yourself goals. It's okay to do that too, I think. Yeah, I love that. Um, Before we continue with the rest of the interview, we're gonna take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Today, I'd like to talk about one type of consulting engagement we offer at the Success League. Customer success deep dives last between three days and two weeks and are focused on helping companies plan a customer success program tailored to their organization. Common deep dive topics include metrics and goals, hiring and compensation, customer journey mapping, and segmentation. Each deep dive session includes concrete deliverables like business models and annual plans that you can quickly put to use. If you need help with planning for 2019, a deep dive engagement is a great way to kickstart your efforts. Visit the consulting page on our website, thesuccessleague.io for more information. I also wanna mention StrikeDeck's new Customer 360 template. This free download is the best way to figure out if you're ready for a customer success tool. It is an automated spreadsheet that will help you keep track of all your current customers, generating an individual health score for each one. Quick reports can be easily developed through the analytics tab, and tasks can be tracked on the task manager. If you're looking for a quick, simple to use, yet robust solution for your CS needs, StrikeDeck's Customer 360 template is the tool for you. Download your copy today at strikedeck.com. And now back to our interview. So Jennifer, I'm sure that with a shift like this, the profile of your ideal CSM team member has changed. What are the characteristics that you're looking for now?
1: Hmm. So for me, um, an ideal CSM candidate um, is one that just shows a lot of natural curiosity and a drive to learn more about their clients and the problems they face. So too often, in my experience, CSMs will just talk at a client, but the great ones are ones that ask a lot of open-ended questions. They're able to go off script to address and respond to client issues. Um, it's a hard thing to interview for, but it's definitely a great trait for a CSM. And you know, for our next CSM hire, I'm also looking for someone who is just more proactive by nature. They see an issue. And they get creative and just address it, right? They're not waiting for someone to hand them the answer. Uh, the best CSMs have a natural tendency to want to help their clients, and they get great personal joy out of making their clients successful. Um, so it's, it's always, you know, finding these candidates are hard. Um, yeah, do, it's this perfect fit, right? You get this person who naturally wants their clients to succeed, and so they're going to go to bat for them, and they are going to be proactive, and it just kind of is this uh, uh, symbiotic relationship. So this isn't a
0: question that I gave you a chance to prep for, but I'm going to ask it anyway. All right. <laughs> okay. um, do you have any um, Do you have any interview questions that get at that that you'd be willing to share with the audience?
1: You know, it's not so much an interview question as it is okay. a asking them to talk about prior experiences, right? Okay. So trying to get at you know, tell me about when a client was struggling. What did you do to kind of help, right? And if the answers tend to be, you know, I. A, I just, I did, I did the playbook. I did these three things. Or Uh, I did this thing that was really creative, right? I was, I went out and made this thing for him. And then I shared it with the rest of my team. And now we're using it as a best practice, right? So those types of things are what I look for um, in an an interview setting.
0: As we were preparing for this interview, you mentioned that, you are using both customer personas and health scores to drive a proactive approach. You touched on what you're doing with health scores, but can you talk a little bit about how you're using customer
1: personas? Yeah, absolutely. So we have identified a handful of personas that tend to utilize our product within a given organization. And we found that when multiple or ideally all of these various personas utilize our product and services, we are stickier and the account is healthier and they tend to be more engaged. Um, Oftentimes what we see is that we'll be heavily engaged with a single persona or a single person in the org, Um, and things might be going great, the account seems like it's on track, and then that person leaves and we are back at square one struggling to make that connection again. Um, And in the world of tech, we know that people move jobs all the time. Um, And because of this, it's good for us to work with multiple personas so that if one leaves, we still have relationships to leverage. And additionally, for us, a persona might be someone on the demand gen team, while another persona might be someone in product marketing or in CS. And customers who use our product across the org tend to have more success. So this is another reason why it's critical for us to really spread our relationship out throughout the org and not be reliant on one really engaged point of contact.
0: Yeah, I I think um, single points of contact can be single points of failure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) um,
0: yeah, it's really important to have points of contact um, across the organization, but also I think it's at, at different levels too. And I've seen CS teams have really good luck with having contacts at the buyer level, even though, you know, maybe they're main point of contact is the account manager, it's still good for the CS person to have a relationship there too, um, just to make sure that, you know, if they need to escalate anything, they have a relationship. And then certainly if anybody leaves, there's a relationship there too.
1: Yep, absolutely. Completely agree.
0: So how have the processes on your team changed to reflect the more proactive approach to customers?
1: So, we're definitely still very much in the middle of changing our processes, but what we have done is encouraged our CSMs to be more forthcoming with asking for help. Um, And I think sometimes we're all guilty of suffering in silence and feeling like a struggling client is a reflection on us. Um, So, we're working to shift that mentality and make it okay to say, I'm stumped with how to get a client engaged or provide the value that they're looking for. Um, And one of the processes that I'm hoping we can roll out in the near future when we have our CS tool fully in place is to have CSMs in a scalable way continuously monitor their client basis on a few different axes. Um, And when we truly start measuring it, we're going to be looking at these in four big areas um, that I think are uh, pretty applicable to most companies out there. Um, So the first is that account coverage. And this is what I just touched on about looking at those personas. So if a CSM has a very engaged contact, that's great, but that's actually going to be reflected in a low health metric um, since you only have that one point of contact. And that will be a signal for the CSM that this is an area you should be working on is getting additional points of contact to engage with. Um, And then the second area we're going to be closely monitoring is adoption. So too often our customers will get the core of our platform stood up. They start collecting software reviews, but then they don't use this content on their sites or in their marketing programs. And we know for a customer to get the full value, they should be utilizing our content in multiple ways, including utilizing all of our insight data um, to help drive new deals. And so we're going to soon have a quantitative way to give an adoption health score for all of our customers too. Um, And then the third big metric um, we're looking at is customer engagement. And for us, this is looking at factors like how often are they logging in? How often are they downloading our reports? Um, And this we're going to look at to see if we see a customer who has been in the green, they've been logging in regularly, and they suddenly drop to a yellow or red. That's an indicator for a CSM to quickly pick up the phone, start engaging, figure out what's going on there. And then the final big chunk of what we're looking at is what we're calling general health. And this is looking at things like the CSM's pulse of an account, which is really their gut call of where they are, the last time they had a quarterly review, um, what is their triage status, et cetera, look like. Um, And then the nice thing is all four of these big buckets are gonna be rolled into one health score. Um, But because we have these sub scores, it's going to mean that the CSM should be able to quickly look at their portfolio see which clients have an overall yellow or red, and then be able to double click in and see, okay, why? What's dragging down their score? An account might be green for their adoption and their engagement, and their general health might look good, but if your account coverage is low, it's gonna be flagged, and this lets the CSM know that this is the area to kind of go and proactively improve. Um, And we're hopeful that this is going to help inform how they structure those quarterly business reviews, how they engage with the points of contact, Um, et cetera, so giving them a little bit more uh, uh, focus on where to kind of go and drive that activity. That's amazing. I know that a lot of our listeners are in the same boat
0: as you and they're looking for ways to get their customer success teams and programs to reflect the more proactive approach that you're describing. What are your biggest recommendations for getting started? Or alternatively, is there anything that you tried that failed or people should avoid?
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, not surprisingly, every organization is different. Um, So I think (laughs) the first step is, is to step back and really figure out where your CS team is being reactive. Where does it feel like you're always engaging just a little too late? Um, pick that one thing to focus on. For me, the first thing that seemed easy was to take the tactical onboarding piece off of the CSM plate to free them up to be more proactive. Um, That's the first of many changes, but it's easier to pick one thing, focus on it, drive success, and then repeat. Um, I'm always a huge advocate for more of an iterative change um, because it's easier for the organization to handle, and it also allows the team to see wins along the way, which makes it easier for them to buy into the next change you roll out. Um, so that's my general take on when you're trying to do change: is bite-sized pieces <laughs> that people can outline yeah. instead of a you know a big reveal, right? That's harder to kind of incorporate.
0: Yeah, and I, I feel like sometimes even as a leader, even though you kind of have a vision and you have all of those pieces, if you don't break it down into bite-sized chunks, you're going to get discouraged as the leader um, because it won't seem like things are moving fast enough or it will seem like, oh, there's this, huge looming project and it's just kind of psychologically draining. Yes. And so I think breaking it into chunks really, really helps.
1: Yep. Everyone likes to cross something off their to-do list and to yep. feel like I got a win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: last question. This is something we ask everybody on the show. What do you see as the biggest trend in customer success right now and why?
1: Oh yeah. So I think given the great CS tools that are now available, I think that one of the biggest trends it's going to be a focus on driving those client health scores. Um, and historically, it's been hard to do in a measurable way. Um, but with tools that kind of algorithmically kind of create these scores, we now have the ability to track health metrics in multiple dimensions, right, and see the fluctuation of these scores as they kind of go through their their client journey. Um, and the reason I'm excited about this in particular is because Historically, we've always focused so much on just gross revenue retention being the metric that we look at, Um, and I'm hoping that we can start moving more and more towards, yes, we've got to look at gross retention, um, but can we move towards actually making goals around improving client health scores, being that's the thing that we drive focus on, um, including could we tie bonus plans to improving our health scores instead of solely basing it Off of that gross retention number Um, of course the only way this works is you have to be measuring the right things right if all of your client health scores are green but you still have a retention problem it probably means you're not measuring the right thing so getting that right um, is important but i do think it has the potential to kind of reshape what it is that we're focusing on um, and move us away from just only looking at that gross retention number
0: Yeah, I think one thing with health scores that I've had good luck with with my own teams and then now with our clients is to just give it some time to test it so that you really are making sure that it is, in fact, relevant to retention and expansion and things that matter to the bottom line of the organization. Um, Because you're absolutely right. You know, you can have this health score that on paper looks great and then in practice doesn't actually predict (laughs)
1: Retention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I and I think it's important too to to think through that it's not going to be we have made all of the metrics and this is done and they will sit on a shelf, right? It's going to change as as your customers change, as the way they use your product change, right? What used to be a green three months ago might not be anymore, right? And so having that mentality, that you're always going to have to be adjusting them to make sure that it's kind of reflective um, will be a challenge, um, but it'll be more, it just gives us more levers, I think, in the CS field um, to play with.
0: Yeah, and I I do like that it's starting to move outside of just product utilization and into things that also have an impact but are more market-driven so um, you know people are now building health scores around things like you know where their competitors are and you know where there are market challenges for them geographically and things that are more I mean almost demographic and behavioral rather than um, just you know, product-based. And I think that all of those things play into health. And so you have to consider more than just utilization. Yeah. Um, and the tools are now being built in a way that you can accommodate that. So that's really nice to see as well.
1: Yeah. I think we're still kind of like at the tip, right? It's still like kind of an emerging yeah. spot with how you use it. So that's why I'm I'm just excited to see where it evolves to, because I think we're just scratching the surface of really being able to to find that um, in a way that is going to be super scalable and easy to use across the organization.
0: Yeah, it's it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Jennifer, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your journey so far toward a proactive customer success program. Hopefully we'll get you back on the podcast at some point for an update, um, but thanks for being here today.
1: Absolutely. This was definitely a lot of fun uh, for me as well. And yeah, I'm also curious to see where, where we go next. <laughs>
0: Yeah, if someone wants to get in touch with you and talk to you about what you've done, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, sure, yeah, you can always reach me at my work email is jennifer.griffin at trustradius.com or you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Jennifer Griffin, um, and I'm here in Austin, Texas.
0: Awesome. I also wanna thank our sponsors, StrikeDeck and the Success League. To learn more about StrikeDeck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow StrikeDeck on LinkedIn or at StrikeDeck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io, and follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSLCustomers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere else you get your podcasts. And finally, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.